thoughts on Taylor Swift's new Midnight's album, why James Corden is being called the male Ellen, and Salad Dressing Gate takes over the internet. We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders past and present. We would also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we are continually learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Jazz, you've had a whirlwind week this week. You were in Sydney and then when you jetted back to Melbourne, you were at Tame Impala, which looked incredible. Did I spot like a champagne glass as well? <laughs> oh, God, now it sounds like I'm flexing. Um, yeah, no. I went from Sydney and my our colleague Courtney had a spare ticket to Tame Impala in like this corporate box and so she was like on Thursday or something like, do you want to come and figured out that? I could get straight, like go straight from the airport, drop my bag at home and then jet off to Rod Laver. So yeah, I got to see Tame Impala, which were incredible in this like random box, which I've never been to before. You like get a lift right up to the top floor and then there's like a woman, you know, waitress, whatever, with um, topping up your champagne and free snacks. And then, yeah, you just get like a nice view, but controversial. I actually prefer being like down in the mosh. I love like feeling the, feeling the crowd. Um, more so than like from a distance. But anyway, it was a really cool concert. I'm sure some of our listeners also were there. Just incredible light show and Tame Impala is just amazing. And then, yeah, I was in Sydney for this Journalism Awards night, which was really fun. Okay, tell me about that because it was about money, finance, science. Wait, why have I forgotten the word that it was about? Technology? Am I getting? Yes, thank you. Sorry. (laughs) I was like, technology just feels so weird to say. Oh, my God, Jazz, you're like, (laughs) terrible friend, Maggie. No, I knew it was something like adjacent or in STEM. Oh, my God, is that what the T stands for? Yes, it is. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You're so funny. I was like, what? Money? Um, Yeah, so it's the IT Journalism Awards which are colloquially known as the Lizzie's. Yeah, I was nominated for a, a refinery piece and went along with some colleagues, got all dressed up, which was really fun to be like all glammed. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you saw, but I posted on Instagram about it afterwards because I went in with like, it was my first ever kind of like media awards night that I've been to. And everyone, like the majority of the room were men, which I don't know, mm. you just get used to being existing in rooms with men, right? Mm. But there were 23 different categories. Some of them were like for publications, some were like individual journalism awards. And out of the 23 categories, two individual women won. And then Ray Johnson from SBS, she mm. accepted an award on behalf of SBS. Um and so, yeah, in total there were like three women who spoke out of 23 and the rest were men aged probably 30 and above and there was only one male person of colour there, so mm. who like out of that cohort as well. So like we know that media is like a very white-dominated space and like very male-dominated as well, but I don't know, it's, it felt different being in the room and like seeing the kind of data play out in front of you 
um, and the statistics, I should say, in front of you. And I was on a table with like almost majority women, I think three quarters were women, and we were all just like getting towards the end. We just looked oh. a bit despondent. We were just like, oh, you know, like this is so boring. We were all like young women nominated and yeah mm. I don't know it probably sound might sound like I'm salty about not winning but I'm not it was more just like yeah I was one of two women nominated in my category and yeah but you've also experienced this as well like we always know that these spaces are like so male and white dominated but then when you see it in action it's like a really mm. different feeling right like you can talk about it but when you see it it's different oh yes oh yes completely because I don't know we get caught up in our little bubbles our progressive mm bubbles with our writer friends and it's really cool because we get to see our friends doing cool stuff and we celebrate our wins but then we forget that that's like a minority or not the mainstream so you're right we go into these places and then it's it's always predominantly men and predominantly um white people winning these awards and you're like oh right the rest of them haven't like caught up yet or we're just just I don't know not naive but it does take me by surprise sometimes. That's the thing, right? Like we yeah. know this logically yeah. or in numbers, but when it actually happens, you're like, oh, okay, it's it's really like that. Yeah, and especially being nominated for Refinery. I know Refinery's mm. been up for some awards and you think like, yes, we're like dominating the space, like progressive, new, exciting, and then like an old car magazine or something wins like yes. the brand of the year. You're like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it could be echo chambers as well. But anyway. Just something I observed, like I was very honoured to be invited, very honoured to like get the nomination and just like hang out with some work friends, free dinner, all that jazz. But yeah, and then flew back home Saturday and here we are. And here we are. And it's been like a big week for music. There's been so many album drops. I literally haven't physically listened to them. Like I haven't gotten around to it. I feel like it requires such a like a special headspace. Did, did you post that tweet, which was like, there are two types of Taylor Swift listeners? <laughs> I didn't post it, but I liked it. So it probably came up on your feed. Yeah. It was like two, there are two types of Taylor Swift album release listeners. One is like throwing a party, throwing a listening party. And the other is like 11 in the sensory deprivation tank. <laughs> which one are you? Well, like kind of the second one, right? Ideally, I just want to be like alone, like just listening to an album start mm-hmm. to finish. But what I did was kind of like a mix of the two. I just decided to um, go on a walk throughout the city instead of taking public transport. It was quite humid that day, but I was like, you know, main character energy, let's put in our headphones and just listen to it. So that was really nice. Um, but like it needed more listens, um, yeah. I guess, in quiet, if that makes sense. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I was walking around um, Sydney trying to find a dress for the awards when it was released and I was a bit frantic because I had like two hours <laughs> to find a dress. So, yeah, some were like standing out more but then over the weekend like listened to it a few more times and I love it. It's probably one of my favourite Taylor albums. <gasps> okay, well, let's talk about this because this album has been so hyped. We've been hotly anticipating it we've talked about it quite a few times and it also broke um, a Spotify record it is now the most streamed album in a single day which no surprise let's be honest like she's just breaking her own records over and over so we're not going to spend all episode talking about the album <laughs> although we probably could but we want to pull out like the four most interesting things slash easter eggs slash theories from the album and all the drama that surrounds it. Let's begin uh, with favorite songs. 
It's so hard to choose because they're all very, very different. But I'd say my top five. Or is that too much? Oh top Dude, three? that's half the album. No, it's not. Midnight's well, 3 a.m. edition. Yes, true. But yes, just okay, give top it, three. have it like top three. Yeah. Karma, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Sweet Nothing. Mm-hmm. And either Bejeweled or Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. I like them oh. for very different reasons. I feel like there's like two really poppy songs and two more like, you know, ly- deep lyrical songs in my faves. What about you? Okay, love. Okay, so I'm going to be honest. I need to keep – I need a few more listens to mm-hmm. finalise, solidify this list. But number one, I just love Karma. I keep playing it. It's just so fun. Like that's the one I keep putting on repeat. Um I also do like Snow on the Beach, lol, funny, <laughs> where the hell is Lana? <laughs> like that's fine. Um, and I do like Midnight Rain and like Lavender Haze. Mm. Like I do like those tunes. Um, uh, so you said that this is one of your favourite Taylor Swift albums. Mm. Yeah, and I found this TikTok slash tweet that said, to be honest, I expected Karma to have a dark, vengeful vibe, but seeing how upbeat and carefree it is, it makes me realize that the best revenge is being at peace, knowing you did nothing wrong and leaving it to the universe to punish those who caused you pain, which is like my life philosophy. I try to live like not holding on to stuff, not holding on to resentment. Um, and I just think it's such a like we thought it was going to be one thing with the whole 70s mm. aesthetic and it's basically just like a more grown-up 1989 album. Mm. Yeah, completely. Um, I loved 1989. I would like to say that on record. It's probably one of my favourite albums. It was like the album that got me really into Taylor, I would say. Um, and I enjoyed some of the songs. But like some of the, uh, I don't know. I think my initial thoughts when I was listening, I was like, oh, like all these songs sound very familiar to one another and also to a past music. So I was like, like they kind of merge into one in my head. But I do think more listens will um We'll change that. And yeah. I have to just say, like, I like I don't like some of the songs, but that's okay. Like, that's 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 natural. Like, what the yeah. hell is Paris? What is the story? What is the lyricism in Paris? Oh, Paris. Dude, we were somewhere else. We were in <laughs> Paris. What? It's cute. Oh, I don't know, babes. Don't know. Um, one lyric that has gotten a lot of attention online is antiheroes. Um <laughs> What is what's the actual lyric again? So the lyric reads, sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill. I like it. Okay, no, but your initial thoughts when you heard that, weren't they like, what? Initial thoughts was like, that's a weird lyric and it yeah. stood out. Yeah. But then I didn't even, I'd never seen 30 Rock. I didn't know that reference. But then Neither. like you think about it more and you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Hasn't everyone felt like a monster on the hill and everybody else is a sexy baby? (laughs) (laughs) It just took me off, like, it it took me by surprise for Mm. sure. So let's talk about this 30 Rock reference because, yeah, I also hadn't seen it. Um, But, yeah, it's apparently potentially a reference to the show, um, an episode in season five where Tina Fey's character Liz Lemon hires a female comic um, whose name is Abby. and Tina Fey's character is just like super put off um, Abby's demeanor. She's like super girlish and whatever. Um, So in a moment between the two characters, she's like, you can drop the sexy baby act to which Abby says, the sexy baby thing isn't an act. I'm a very sexy baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've seen some great like uh, discourse 
uh, on this about like media literacy and like the line is like meant to make you feel uncomfortable. It's meant to make you think about like the infantilization of mm-hmm. women in general and then also pop stars and um, yeah, the whole I'm just an innocent little baby thing that men mm-hmm. seem to love. So go Taylor. She's yeah. divisive. <laughs> I also did see that like another theory or whatever on TikTok, which was talking about the monster on the hill, talking about how that could be aging, how how it's like something that's just over the hill, like that's coming. And, you know, Taylor has talked a lot about feeling or feeling nervous or scared about um, being aged out by the industry or being replaced by a sexy baby. <laughs> so that makes sense. Speaking of anti-hero though, she did drop her first music video for the album um, and I want to talk about it. There's a little part of it that is, um, I guess, sparking some internet discourse at the moment. Did you watch the video? Yes, I liked it. Um, I thought it was fun. The scene at the end with the children arguing is very fun and it feels like so different to like the folklore serious like music videos it's like very millennial and like very taylor swift basically i personally thought it was unneeded like i get it she's like the other side of the video it's like written and directed by taylor swift she's trying to get her creds up i was like I don't know. It wasn't that funny to me. Oh my God, I'm so savage today. <laughs> I promise I'm not. I don't like people like trying to be critical for no reason. And I'm like, not. Like, I enjoyed it. It was fun, retro vibes, cute outfits, fun. Yeah. I just don't know about that scene. What with the children? Yeah, like the break from the music. And then she just puts in a scene of them fighting at a funeral. So I was like, eh, like, okay. <laughs> Okay, but no, let me go to the part that people are talking about because we are literally going to talk here forever. Um, So there's a scene where she steps on the scales and the scales um, doesn't turn up a number, but it just says the word fat. And in it, Taylor looks disappointed while her like alter ego kind of stands behind her and looks kind of devious, kind of like um, smug almost. Yeah, and this sparked a lot of conversation around fat phobia. Yeah, I've seen so many videos on this, but a lot of videos even from fat people saying that like they like it and like they it's Taylor's experience and like Taylor has openly spoken about her eating disorder before of course like your eating disorder makes you think things that aren't real like like Taylor knows that she's not fat but I I don't know like I'm not a fat person so I don't want to like put my own opinion onto this because like we should be listening to people in the plus size community but yeah have you seen a lot about this yeah, a bit. I heard about it before I actually watched the video. Um, look, like, of course, I'm also not in the plus size community. So, like, perhaps this isn't the correct take. But, you know, as we, we've had so many conversations about how, like, fat isn't a bad word, mm. but the way that she kind of frames it as one, I do think that, like, the context of her struggling with eating disorders is important. I do like this tweet, though, um, by user Shira Rose, um, and they say, Taylor Swift's music video where she looks down at the scale where it says fat is a shitty thing to describe her body image struggles. Fat people don't need to have it reiterated yet again that it's everyone's worst nightmare to look like us. Having an eating disorder doesn't excuse fat phobia. It's not hard to say I'm struggling with my body image today instead of I'm a fat disgusting pig. I think I kind of agree in the sense of like I think she can express these like conflicting and like hurtful feelings that Taylor, like Taylor's experiencing like that is her experience it's very valid it's also like very relatable for a lot of people but like to have it so on the nose of like being like 
fat. Like I'm like, is that just like not like is that a good decision? I feel like I don't know. But then they're like, okay, so say you're like fat isn't a bad word. But then if we remove it and put all this like taboo around it and we like sense is not the right word, but like kind of start swapping stuff out, then isn't that kind of putting more of a like stigma around it? I don't know. My problem with it, I guess, was like because she looks disappointed, right? It's like a, mm. it, 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 it meant like it's a bad thing. Like I feel like that's mm. the simple the simple translation. Yeah, but to Taylor, like, it was a bad thing in her yeah, head. But so, like, I feel like it's her experience. Right? Yeah, and then this is what I was thinking about last night. I was like, okay, like, so true, but I'm like, okay, but what is the impact of her putting this in her video of, like, millions of fans seeing that? Mm-hmm. Like, is it worth her being really vulnerable? I mean, no, yes, like, yes, I think she should be vulnerable. And you're right, like, it is good to be honest, but I'm worried about potentially Mm. like what if you're like one of taylor's fat fans who isn't fully comfortable with um like your body or whatever and you're like oh like i don't know i don't know Mm. look again i don't know because you're right there's been a lot of mixed opinions in the fat community as well so it's not like one answer yeah exactly it's like a blanket rule for this yeah but that's how i feel yeah we're sparking some interesting conversations (laughs) so many sorry and there's been um a little bit of a gala update in the song question the lyrics are did you ever have someone kiss you in a crowded room and every single one of your friends was making fun of you but 15 seconds later they were clapping too did you leave her house in the middle of the night did you wish you'd put up more of a fight when she said it was too much do you wish you could still touch her it's just a question mm. i have seen many an edit already on tiktok of carly Kloss <laughs> and taylor swift yeah. with these lyrics over it the galas are loving it um we spoke about the gala stuff only a week or two ago i'm already like i'm kind of over it if you yeah, know what i mean let's i'm talk just about like that. Oh. let's talk about that because i feel the same and okay tell me about that I feel like with the Lavender Hayes song release that Taylor spoke about a few weeks ago, for me that was like a line in the sand and it was like, okay, she feels uncomfortable with these rumours no matter how she framed it. Maybe she didn't frame it the right way. But I don't think she's ever going to kind of come out or admit it even if that if it's true I feel the same there's like a fatigue around it where I'm like I don't even care I don't even care anymore like be whatever you want Taylor like say whatever you want I think it's a bit of like being put on a spin cycle with a lot of like will they won't they like kind of like is she or isn't she Mm. kind of messaging that we've been getting and now I'm like oh I just really don't care just get me off the washing machine because (sighs) Like, you can argue anything. Like, for me, this, I was like, yes, it sounds like it's about Carly. Like, that's a conversation she's, you know, maybe having with herself, with with the woman, alleged woman. But then other people are like, this is a conversation to her boyfriend. This is a question that she's giving mm. a man. There's so much. And I'm like, I don't even care. Well, and, like, done. we know that she makes up characters. Like, folklore yeah. is like a whole, you know, creative writing exercise. So, you know, creative people and writers like can just make up scenarios in the head. Like, not everything has to be autobiographical. Oh, she said this album was like as close to being uh, real. Uh, okay, I didn't see that. But that's it for that. Let's park that. Yeah, you know? I'm done. Talk show host James Corden has made headlines this week after New York restaurant owner Keith McNally called him out for his rude behavior. 
The Balthazar owner posted on Instagram saying he banned James from the restaurant after he'd been, quote, abusive to his servers. The post reads, James Corden is a hugely gifted comedian, but a tiny creation of a man and the most abusive customer to my Balthazar servers since the restaurant opened 25 years ago. I don't often 86 a customer to today I 86 Corden. It did not make me laugh. And then um, he gives two examples of um, the way that James has allegedly treated his staff. So James um, was eating a main meal and then he like gestured a manager to come over and he found a hair in the meal. Um, The manager was super apologetic, but James was like super extremely nasty, quote unquote, um, to the manager. And apparently he said, Get us another round of drinks this second and also take care of all of our drinks so far. This way I write any nasty reviews in Yelp or anything like that. Okay, and the second example that the manager provides is kind of convoluted. It involves egg. Let me read it out. But yeah, I had seen like tweets and stuff and memes about eggs. And I was like, what the hell is going on? But this is what was going on. So apparently James was with his wife for brunch at Balthazar and um, he took a table outside. His wife ordered an egg yolk omelette with other things with a salad on the side. A few minutes later, they got the food and then James called their server over and said that there was a tiny bit of egg white mixed with an egg yolk. Um, They were like really apologetic and the kitchen remade the dish, but unfortunately sent it out with fries instead of salad. So apparently this is when James began yelling. He said, you can't do your job. You can't do your job. Maybe I should go into the kitchen and cook the omelet myself. He said that to the server. Um, The server was really apologetic and brought the manager over to the table. He returned the dish and after that, everything was fine. He also, um, James was given promo champagne to like smooth over things. Um, Yeah, so gross behavior. And then the latest update of this was that James had apologized to the restaurant and his ban was lifted. Um, The manager said, anyone magnanimous enough to apologize to a deadbeat lay about like me and my staff doesn't deserve to be banned from anywhere, especially Balthazar. On Thursday, however, things took a turn when the New York Times published an interview with James where the actor addressed the situation. Quote, I haven't done anything wrong on any level, so why would I ever cancel this interview? I was there. I get it. I feel so zen about the whole thing because I think it's so silly. I just think it's beneath all of us. It's beneath you. It's certainly beneath your publication. Happens every day. It's happening in 55,000 restaurants as we speak. It's always about eggs. James Corden has a vendetta against eggs. (laughs) He added, can you imagine now if we just blasted her on Twitter because he saw someone returning some eggs in the restaurant they were having an interview? Mm. Would that be fair? This is my point. It's insane. And then because James Corden denied this whole thing, Keith went back onto Instagram and demanded that James Corden fess up, saying, although I didn't witness the incident, lots of my restaurant's floor staff did. They had nothing to gain by lying. Corden did. I wish James Corden would live up to his almighty initials and come clean. If the supremely talented actor wants to retrieve the respect he had from all his fans, all four of them, before this incident, then he should at least admit he did wrong. This is so spicy. Mm. I just don't understand why James wouldn't like 
be I don't know like play it more cool yeah. with the way that he just like retract like you know I'm all zen about it I'm like bro this is doing terrible stuff yeah. for your image which is already like going down the the drain a bit like he's not really held in high regard by the public anymore mm. and after what happened to Ellen you'd think that talk show host would be more careful with their behavior Mm, completely because I feel like he is just a few steps or a a bit more than a few steps behind Ellen like things that have happened to her in the past are happening to him why isn't he being more careful so found this um opinion piece on the Guardian by Awa Madawi who we reference a lot on the pod we love love her um so she wrote an opinion piece called James Corden may be the male Ellen but that means his career will likely be fine she says Indeed, there are plenty of people who are already calling Corden the male Ellen. Corden may be the male Ellen, but unlike Ellen, I'm not sure that the allegations he's a nasty piece of work are going to put a massive dent in his career. Women, after all, are consistently held to higher ethical standards than men and more harshly punished for the same transgressions. Studies have found that people react better to anger from a man than they do from a woman. A 2008 study, for example, called Can an Angry Woman Get Ahead, found that male and female evaluators conferred lower status on angry female professionals than on angry male professionals. The study found that whereas women's emotional reactions were attributed to internal characteristics, example, she's an angry person, she's out of control, men's emotional reactions were attributed to external circumstances. Oh, yeah. That's so, so true. true. <laughs> it reminds me of like that allegation of like James Corden on the plane with his wife. And like apparently like he was sitting on a plane next to a woman and her baby was like just crying and having a terrible time. Everyone's having a terrible time and he's just sitting there like silently, silently, whatever. And then at the end of the flight, everyone realizes, oh, that's his wife and child. And he was just oh. like not helping out, blah, blah, blah. But people were, um, I did see people jump to his defense and be like, oh, you don't know, like, what if he's working? Like, what if, like, all this other stuff, you know, that excuses behavior. Sorry, mm. random segue, but like, yeah. But on the anger thing, I've also read some study, or well, not studies, like articles about, um, like, the reason women cry more is because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the time we're angry, mm-hmm. but, like, we've been socialized from such young age to keep our anger bottled up basically and in check and it's seen as such a bad emotion that we just turn it into like tears of frustration um especially in the workplace rather than kind of anger that men can have james is leaving the late late show so there will be someone replacing him in the talk show position but i wonder you know what is he going to do next this is just going to be another step in his career and let's see if these allegations really do hold up or you know if his bad rep kind of affects his career if at all we'll just have to see The messiest love triangle in recent times is a pop culture gift that keeps on giving. In huge news, Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde's former nanny sat down with the Daily Mail for a tell-all interview on the couple. Speaking to the outlet, the nanny first noted that she never witnessed any problems between the couple in the first three years of her employment and that the breakdown was caused when Jason discovered Olivia's affair with Harry Styles in late 2020. Olivia denied the rumors that she cheated on her former husband in an interview with Vanity Fair, claiming that she split with Jason in early 2020 before 
filming for Don't Worry Darling had begun. But this nanny came out and it didn't even seem that anonymous to me. Like, I don't know if you saw any snippets of the video. They've covered her face and it's like her side profile, but it's like you can tell, like if you knew that person, you'd know who they are and their voice, mm. you can see that, hear their voice. Like it's not changed at all. Pretty bold, but it was actually taken down um, like really soon after, like after a day or something. The article's deleted, the video's gone, um, which makes me think that lawyers are getting involved, as mm. you would do if you could. Like I think I would, if someone like told all my family secrets like that, I think, and I had the money, I would definitely sue them. Yeah, and surely because it was like an employment mm. situation here, surely there's going to be NDAs that are signed mm-hmm. and in the contract, like obviously there's privacy to like things to abide by. I mean, before we get into everything that was spilt, like I do, like yes, we love the salacious gossip, but it's also like at what cost? Like that would be so, like what an invasion of privacy to have someone that you've trusted for years and employed, like paid money to, to then do something like this like I can imagine that it's such like a head spin Mm. um, situation I mean it happens a lot of the time with celebrities like family members going to the press and spilling stuff whatever but still and sometimes nannies are the ones who are having the affairs like oh yeah there's been I saw a headline didn't actually read it but a headline about like Jason and Olivia's nanny and all the other nanny related like gossip stories (laughs) of the past (laughs) decade or something I was like oh my god because, like, these people are obviously very close. They're, like, helping to raise your children. They're in your house. Mm, exactly. They see you at all sorts of um, times. So the story, though, is very spicy. So according to the nanny, Olivia split with Jason in November, which we would already discussed. But apparently Jason discovered the affair after some messages popped up on an Apple iWatch <laughs> from Harry. And which also I find funny. Sorry. It's like an Apple Watch. I think that's so funny. <laughs> Also, Olivia allegedly told Jason that it was Harry and Florence who were having the affair first, which we don't know if that's true or not um, because Florence was still with actor Zach Braff at the time of filming. They've broken up now. Um, But, yeah. So the nanny said, quote, on the Monday morning of November 9, when I came back from a weekend off, Jason was crying a lot, crying and crying. I didn't know what had happened at all after I'd got the kids ready Jason came upstairs and was having some coffee he was crying and a mess saying she left us she left us the nanny also recalled a pretty harrowing incident where Jason laid underneath Olivia's car to prevent her to leave to see Harry um allegedly Jason was furious that Olivia was making Harry a salad with her quote special dressing in front of him The nanny said, the night she left with a salad, Jason had chased after her, videotaping her in the house. She was saying, I'm scared of you, Jason. I'm scared of you. And he said, if you're scared of me, why are you leaving your kids with me? So then Jason went outside and landed her car so she wouldn't leave. She got in her car to back up. um, But then Olivia went back inside the house. Uh, However, this was like the last straw for the actor. He said he was doing it on purpose to make her late going to see Harry. The nanny continued. Jason told me she made this salad and she made her special dressing and she's leaving with her salad to have dinner with Harry. So the nanny said, I said, what salad dressing? He said, she has a special salad dressing she makes for us and she's taken it to have with him now. I don't know what was in it, the nanny said. Out of everything, he was like, she made her special salad dressing and took it to him. This salad dressing went so viral, didn't it? Like... 
<laughs> the memes were hilarious. Yeah, it was so funny because it was just so out of the blue and like so specific. And I think that's like the sad thing. Like when, you know, when you like spiral or you're in like a wonky headspace, it's always like the weirdest details, like the smallest things that stick out. So like this, it's almost like, you know, you have that vision of him lying down, of him chasing her around the house, like filming. Like, yes, these behaviors seem like a bit funny, a bit scary as well, but also like, okay tell me if I'm wrong like an element of like patheticness right like it's it's sad to watch so I feel like it's not secondhand embarrassment it's not embarrassment that I feel but like unease I'm like mm. Ooh, like that yeah I agree and like when you're upset like that it is you just fixate on stuff but yeah. like if you had like a family recipe then it would feel like really kind of deceitful not deceitful but like true it's like true, this true, is true, our true. thing and like you're sharing it with yeah. someone else which would be like yeah. hurtful Poor Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so there was a viral tweet that said, if I were Olivia Wilde, I'd just post a dressing recipe and turn my phone off. And after a day, Olivia did just that. She posted an extract from the book Heartburn by Nora Ephron, which is an autobiographical novel. Have you ever read it before? I haven't, but I do now. Like I do want to after seeing all this. Do you want me to bring it to the office? Because I have oh, yes. a copy. I read it. Yes, please. Yes, Yay, please. I'll do that this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the synopsis is that Rachel Samstadt is seven months into her pregnancy when she discovers that her husband, Mark, is in love with another woman. The fact that the other woman has, quote, a neck as long as an arm and a nose as long as a thumb and you should see her legs is no consolation. Food sometimes is, though, since Rachel writes cookbooks for a living and in between trying to win Mark back and loudly wishing him dead, Nora Ephron's irrepressible heroine offers some of her favourite recipes. So it was released in 1983, this book, but then it was turned into a movie starring Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. Have you seen this? I haven't seen the movie, surprisingly. Yeah, it sounds good. I've read it, though, which is really good. Like, yeah. And it's, yeah, what about it, graphical? So it's kind of based off... Um, Nora's own husband having an affair with like a politician because mm. he was a famous um like journalist political journalist mm. yeah and I love that we were talking about Nora as well we brought her up a few episodes back but she is like the woman behind the screenplays of When Harry Met Sally you've got Mail Sleepless in Seattle um which are like literally the best rom-coms of all time just putting it out there the actual best Back to Olivia and Jason, the couple actually released a joint statement, which some people are saying, like, this proves that it's true because they're, like, joining forces. But also, like, kids are involved in this. So, like, as co-parents, I think you would make a joint statement. Um, they say, as parents, it is incredibly upsetting to learn that a former nanny of our two young children would choose to make such false and scurrilous accusations about us publicly. Her now 18-month-long campaign of harassing us as well as loved ones, close friends and colleagues has reached its unfortunate apex. We will continue to focus on raising and protecting our children with the sincere hope that she will now choose to leave our family alone. Woo. And I just find this so interesting that they're like, okay, this is so false, like blah, blah, blah. And then Olivia's like, oopsies, already posted the Instagram story of like <laughs> the, the salad recipe, which is basically, you know, um, not – yeah you know kind of like giving truth to the story mm. I guess <laughs> I thought it was funny I still really want to like yeah. Olivia I think I still do like Olivia I'm like very nervous about like we speak about this a lot just because like the press around don't worry darling and Harry and Olivia has been and like we're Harry Stan so like 
we have had a, quite a few episodes on her this year mm. or like around her. But I still really like I'm rooting for her as like oh, a female yeah, director. Like, like, but I have seen some discourse online and I think Shameless also spoke about this in that do you think that Harry Styles' team are wondering if she's like worth the risk to his career and image because he was like the golden boy and now I think that his association with Olivia which I think is quite sexist. It's kind of painting her out as this like witchy, like mm. she's she's a wench, she's ruining your career kind of thing. But um, you can't deny that he has had more bad press since dating her. Yeah, but like uh, I've seen this too as well, but it's like, okay, where's the, where's the responsibility and onus on him? He is an mm. adult man who has entered into this relationship with someone who like, yeah, she was a married woman, etc. I think that it makes sense for Harry's team to be careful because that's their job, except it's like inevitably every celebrity's image will be tarnished in some way. Like it's impossible to maintain like a perfect reputation for decades, right? Mm. But I do think they are thinking about that. We have not heard much from the camp of Harry and Olivia since Don't Worry Darling premiered. Um, I've barely seen anything in that regard. People are thinking like, have they broken up? Like what's, what's the go on that? So yeah. I've seen some paparazzi pictures that came out after Don't Worry Darling was released of them like hugging in the street, like when oh. they were like grocery shopping and stuff and some TikToks oh, about it. Cause people did think that they were broken up, but then they saw these pap shots after, um, after the movie was released. But in exciting news, uh, My Policeman is coming out this uh, yes. in the next like week or two. Yes, yes, so yes. Um, did you And you finished reading My Policeman and now you're going to go watch it? Yes. Yes, amazing. Have you read it? No. No, but you did recommend it on the podcast, which we love. But um, I'll probably watch this one. So it has been another week and we're going to share some more recommendations. So what have you been watching, reading, loving, listening to aside from Midnight's this week? <laughs> yes, it's been so weird. In the past two weeks, I've literally watched like basically no TV or movies. It's so weird. I think it was off the back of Fashion Week, just like busyness, whatever. But in that time, I watched one movie and I'm very happy to recommend it. Um, it is called Look Both Ways. It is on Netflix. It stars Lily Reinhardt. So like it's one about pregnancy if you I don't know everyone's like what is look both ways and I'm like oh Lily Reinhardt and pregnancy and they're like oh yeah I know the one but I will give more details <laughs> don't you worry it's also got Australian Asia D in it and she was in the bold type so we love to see that but essentially uh, Lily Reinhardt plays a character called Natalie and we follow her around and on the eve of her college graduation, her life kind of diverges into two parallel realities, one in which she becomes pregnant and like becomes a mother in her Texas hometown and the other where she moves to LA with her best friend um, to pursue her career in animation. So yes, very much a modern day take on Sliding Doors, the 90s movie. Um, I was not expecting much at all from this movie I was like great a fun Netflix movie let's just do it it was always funny at the start when they're playing like college graduates like Aisha D and Lily Reinhardt I'm like these women look like they're in their 30s I'm like, right. I'm like when will they make her stop playing like high school characters or whatever but anyway <laughs> that's beside the point this movie was actually I would say like a 
good movie. It was meaningful. It made me like cry, I think, actually. And I think it was just like nicely written and a nice storyline to follow. It's also directed by a black woman. Her name is Wanari Cahill. um, And she did uh, like a bloody incredible job out of it. So I recommend this. It's a good weekend watch. Like it doesn't take too much brain power, but it's still like a good watch, I would say. Cute. I'm keen to watch that. Yeah, it's so up your alley. Like I did tell you straight away. I was like, have you watched yeah. this? Surprisingly, yes. it hasn't come up on my like um Netflix algorithm lately. You know what I mean? Yes. Like on my homepage. No, I got you. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I definitely recommend you watching it though. I think it came out a few weeks ago, so the buzz has died down, but worth a watch. It's now time for your recommendation. What do you have this week? So mine is in a similar vein to yours which is funny we kind of always match but uh, mine's also a comedy movie and I watched it on the weekend it's called Rosaline I hadn't heard anything about this at all like I'm so shocked because it's right up my alley but it's a movie on Disney plus so it stars Caitlin Dever from Booksmart who plays Rosaline Capulet and now if that name sounds familiar it's because it is a comedic retelling of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet but it's told from the point of view of Romeo's jilted ex Rosaline the woman that Romeo first claims to love before he falls for Juliet so I came up on my um, Disney Plus like homepage on the weekend and I was like, oh my God, like medieval Caitlin Dever, like comedy, perfect for just like brain dead vibes. Um, and it's definitely one of those movies that like, it's a bit cringe. It's a bit, uh, it's probably, I think it's like a rated a PG or an M, like it's quite safe. Um, but yeah, it stars Caitlin Dever, Kyle Allen is Romeo and never heard of him before. Sean Teal plays Dario, who is like another kind of lord in waiting. Um, and he's from Skins and I haven't seen him in five ever. And Nico Hiraga from Booksmart. He is oh, in love, that as well. Love yeah, him. Right? So two like Booksmart um, actors. He plays Steve the Courier, which is like a kind of like stoned, um, stoned male carrier courier. And Isabella Merced plays Juliet. So anyway, it's a very, very fun, easy watch. It's an hour and a half um, corny storyline, but like you get really invested in the characters and you can tell what's going to happen like from the start. Like it's very obvious, but you still like fall in love with the characters and it's like laugh out loud funny and you don't have like, please, no one write a fucking think piece on this. Okay. Like (laughs) you can just enjoy enjoy movies enjoy corny disney plus movies without you know needing to like rip it apart because it's just so like it's a it's very modern it's like a modern retelling of shakespeare so they speak like like we speak today but it's like set in medieval times so yeah very very funny i think you'd like it as well yeah Um, so you go we can both watch them each, each recommendation on the weekend a cute time um, and that brings us to the end of our episode it was a little bit of a shorter one this week and lucky for you all listeners next week we have a special culture club chats episode with a special guest you'll have to tune in to see who it is um, but then we'll be back to our regular scheduling which is usually very haphazard anyway <laughs> All right. And um, if you have been enjoying this podcast recently or over the last few years, 
could you please write us a review? <laughs> I feel like it's been a while since we've asked and it really helps us out. Our reviews are looking a bit dated actually. I think the last one was like the very start of this year. So if you're new here and you like what we do, then a review would be very much appreciated. Yes, you'll find that on Apple Podcasts and you can also give us like a star review on Spotify. But yeah, send us a love letter, please. We need it. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.